When you're ready, let's start this game. Welcome to Unstacked, where we unstack literary news, share what we are reading, slash watching, and cool things happening in our libraries. Hey, this is Sarah from the Bay County Public Library. And this is Stephen from the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library. We thought we were recording, but we were not. So we're going to try this again. We um, just recorded the greatest <laughs> podcast in the world. And now we're going to re-record a tribute to it. This is that <laughs> tribute. So take two. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to announce is that we're kind of taking a holiday break. And so this will be the last episode for a little while. And we hope to resume January. Was it the 14th that we're, is our goal? That's our goal. Something like that. So we already have authors lined up. And if you've missed authors that we've already interviewed, all of our interviews are amazing and you should listen to them. All of them except one. One There's is horrible. One horrible one. We're not going to tell you which one it is. Y'all can uh, let us know which one you think it is, and we'll let you know if it is it or not. That Voting sounds begins great. right now. <laughs> no prizes or anything, but it'll be great for our self-esteem. <laughs> yes. Or, or horrible when you when you name that one that we absolutely loved. And we were like, oh. Oh, I really I like that, that one. <laughs> Hashtag tribute. Let's, let's get into some news, Sarah. <laughs> so some literary news. British author John Lacar is a bit of a mystery. Lacar himself was a former British intelligence officer. His real name, David Cornwell, an MI6 operative in the 1950s and 60s. During the Cold War, the author of Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy was a legit spy. So his new title, Silverview, was one that he requested to both his publisher and his children to be released post-death, which um, he passed away last December from cancer. So the mystery is why did he wait to share this one with the world? Because he he released other ones after he wrote this one. Um, Silverview is a story of Julian Lansley, who begins a new career as a bookseller in quaint English seaside. And a former acquaintance of his comes back into his life. A former intelligence officer, Edward Avon, who is now dying of cancer and perhaps at one time made everything happen for his career for the intelligence services. So it could be a question on the morality or ethics in the, you know, secret service uh, intelligence positions. I have no idea. So this novel so far has received lots of really good reviews. And maybe after you read it, you can decide the mystery of why Lacar might have waited to share this one with the world. I think he's burning somebody, just completely outing him. Burning as in... Um, burn so notice. He's putting out a burn notice. You remember that awesome show? This is true. I wasn't going to talk about this news story, but your previous one made me start thinking about uh, Carmen Mola, who was a university professor who lived in Madrid with her husband and three children and is well known for writing uh, a Spanish series of novels about, I'm sorry, violent novels at that, about police inspector Elena Blanco. And she just won a $1 million plus Planeta prize given out in Spain for her novel, The Beast, a historical thriller set during a cholera epidemic in 1834. It follows a serial killer who hunted down a journalist and a policeman and a young woman. And she won this award 
and she's been a recluse. And then she went up on the stage and it turns out that she was not just Carmen Mola university professor with a husband and three, three children. She was in fact, three Spanish television writers, Jorge Diaz, Augustin Martinez and Antonio Mercero. So they've been living secretly as her giving interviews and now they have outed themselves because they wanted a million bucks. Who wouldn't want a million dollars? I guess I would out myself too. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. I mean, people are in outrage, you know, because it's more than just pseudonym. They've been giving interviews and doing all kinds of fake profiles. There's really hired a, a, a photo double for their website. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, it was, it's pretty intense. Yeah, that's a little more than just giving a, because um, most are going to give the pseudonym, but then you also know who the real person is. Evidently, they did not. They've been living this lie for a while, and here we go. It's like a telenovela. It really is, much like their TV series is Central Hospital and Blind Date. <laughs> Drama. Yes. <laughs> Intrigue. <laughs> uh, the new story I was going to leave with was uh, about how 14 years ago, Paul Newman died. I mean, it's been more than that, but still 14 years ago, and he had... Uh, been frustrated prior to his death about how unauthorized biographies and coverage of his life um, had portrayed him to the point where he started uh, recording his own oral history and left behind some transcripts that had set inside uh, the basement laundry room of his house in Connecticut for years. And now the family has found them and they are going to release them. So he has his own autobiography coming out in his own words, 14 years from beyond the grave. That's being put together by an editor at large, uh, Peter Gathers with Knopf, and they're going to put it out, and it'll be Paul Newman's own. I don't know the (laughs) title of it yet, but it'll be just like that, Newman's own. Okay, so Newman's own, very zesty. And Newman's own words, yes. I think that works. I think you should submit it as a possible title. I I agree. I agree. Hashtag use this title, Newman's own. My next story is Alex Gino's book, George. Um, I've mentioned George before on this podcast because I really enjoyed it, but it is no longer called George. Um, it's been on the banned and challenged book list for several years. So that's uh, one way that you'll, you'll see this title. But the new title name is Melissa. And it's about the young trans fourth grade girl and George is Melissa's dead name. So Alex really wanted to give the preferred name to be the title. It's a sweet, sweet children's book. And I highly recommend giving this multiple award-winning title a read. Uh, Melissa just wants to play Charlotte in her class's performance of Charlotte's Web. If you want the new cover, you can print it from Scholastic's website, or you can buy the book when it's re-released as Melissa in April, 2022. Let's imagine for a moment that you're sitting in Germany back in 1978 at the Frankfurt Book Fair. You're a publisher, you're bored. What you gonna do with your life? I don't know. Would you say, let's play a game that, you know, where we get to make a prize for the oddest title that has been published? I probably wouldn't have thought about it, but there are some really, really strange titles. Well, that's what Bookseller and Diagram did 
they have started up the Diagram Prize for Oddest Title of the Year. It is a literary award that's given out annually to humorously for books that have unusual titles. And right now they have narrowed it down to five titles. The public can vote on it right now. And we have, I have those titles right here if you want to know what they are. I do. I really do. Here we go. You will regret these words. Oh, no. <laughs> this is the story that you were mentioning that I probably wouldn't like, right? 100%. Oh, dear. I said five. Let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six, actually. I said five. It's actually six. We've got curves for the mathematically curious. It's a glimpse into elegant and often surprising mathematics. Um, <laughs> for anyone interested in curves, if you know what I mean. Runner, uh, next one, we have hun, uh, Handbook of Research on Health and Environmental Benefits of Camel Products. Camel, like in the animal? Yes, and products as in things that come out of it, such as milk, other stuff. Ew. Uh, how about hats, a very unnatural history? 18th century, that... 19th century fads of decorating hats with mammal, mammal fur? Well, I think feathers were really popular in the 1800s. Yes, they were, plumage and even whole birds. Ew. This will have you questioning the history of your headwear. I'm going to skip that one because I know how much that one's going to live here. So we'll jump down to the next one. The life cycle of Russian things from fish guts to Fabergé. Oh, well, I kind of am interested in that one and I would read it. Four centuries of Russia's material culture, including how Fabergé tobacco causes uh, cases uh, contributed to addiction in the late imperial period. Dun, dun, dun. Then we got two that you're just going to hate. <laughs> Bring it. Miss, I don't give a beep. Engaging with challenging behavior in schools. Oh, wow. Wow. That, yes, that's uh, tips Back on inspiring teachers. Yes, on, on uh, even the trickier cherubs in your class and getting you through the lesson without the desk flying at you or a blazer being set alight. And then my personal favorite is a story about how a deconstruction of one Superman and his Jewish influences. And the title is, Is Superman Circumcised? Like I said, it's a discussion of his uh, Jewish influences, and it should be a, a barn burner of a book, I would imagine. Well, isn't the authors are Jewish for Superman, the first ones, right? Yep. Uh, previous winners of this prize have included a dog pissing at the edge of a path, American bottom archaeology and oh. Versailles, the view from Sweden. Yeah, lots of animal parts and body parts. There really is. And I think the one that probably disturbed me the most was the, the teacher one, because it was like, A, it's going to be a female teacher uh -huh. who can't control her classroom. <laughs> and um, yeah. The original winner was uh, a book called Proceedings of the Second International Workshop on Nude Mice. N nude Mice? Yes. Don't like, you love this time? This is such a fun one. It is. So it's not naked mole rats. It's nude mice. Nude mice. So do they not have fur? I would I'm assume have to they look do up not. Nude mice. They have to look up nude mice. Hashtag nude okay. mice. Hashtag nude mice. Hashtag library mascots. Hashtag tribute. <laughs> zesty yes 
Okay, so my last story is um, one that I'm hoping that you'll help me with. If you're planning to pick up books for holiday presidents, <laughs> uh, let me start that one over again. Send a book to the president. Okay. <laughs> if you are planning to pick up books for holiday presents, and I always give books as presents, you might want to be more flexible with titles and availability. There is a paper shortage, print delays, and a distribution bottlenecks of books being produced in other countries and a shortage of truck drivers. So this means also be kind to your libraries. Your newest titles may have a slight delay and many titles are even pushing back their publication dates as well. So if there was something that you were expecting to be out, you know, soon, it may be pushed back to early 2022. So is this uh, George R. R. Martin's latest excuse on why we don't have that next book yet? I think so. I think he's going to write this one for a little while. Of course he is. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been hearing that as well. We've, we're, we're kind of in that state of plan to order early and plan to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And just hope. Because we've even seen like there'll be one that was supposed to be released and then it changes the release date for, you know, a couple of weeks down the road. So yep. You're- even your pre-orders will probably, it might be a little late. Gotta love this, this, what, what are we calling it again? It's, it's a supply chain crunch. Yeah. Yeah. And then a lot of orders are being made and then there's more ships out there. Um, everything gets stuck. So, uh, you know. so patience <laughs> and go to your, you know, go to your local um, bookstores as well to support them, maybe not ordering online if possible. And otherwise just wait until they come to the library. To quote one Axel Rose, all we need is just a little patience. There we go. And you can just, you know, do a little wormy groove as you say it. So uh, what, you, what are we moving into next? Are we talking what we're reading or are we talking about our, our holidays? Yeah, let's let's kind of share some fun holiday reads and films and see where it goes. Do you want to begin? Uh, I will always say watch Elf. Elf is a great movie. Watch it. Oh, it is a lot of fun. That one and Scrooge with Bill Murray are my are my go-to holiday watches. Yes. We did uh, just watch a a not typical Christmas movie with the with the oldest here recently. Did not hold up as well as I thought it, as I remembered being as a kid, but Gremlins. Oh, I do. I do like that. But yeah, it's, it's probably a little dated. It, it very much is. And was not as terrifying to him as it was to me at that same age. And yeah. I am not angry about that at all. Yeah. Oh, well, you're, you're training them to your, both of your kids to enjoy horror films. Yeah. Um, but, but that movie, uh, that movie terrifies me to this day and it goes back to to, i think we've talked about this on a podcast before but it flash gordon children of the corn any movie that involves reaching into something that you know yeah and gremlins you he's that the science teacher reaches underneath and i I don't like hand hand horror Mm -hmm. it's very disturbing um but as far as reading i know you're gonna sit here and think i'm gonna just bring up a whole bunch of horror stuff and I am going to bring up some, but how about a book series? Well, it's not a series, just a book that ties in, not just Thanksgiving, 
but Christmas as well. Okay. Pet Cemetery by Stephen King. <laughs> it has it all. It does. And it's really hard to find Thanksgiving books. So everyone should give this one a try. <laughs> I wouldn't go. But yes, he, he has a daughter that, that has a cat that's run over on Thanksgiving. And by Christmas, all heck is breaking loose. I've never read Stephen King. And I realized um, that there are just so many books of his that are so well known. And I need to, I do need to try, though I think he's going to be disturbing for me. Yeah, he, he does. He, he goes back and forth on what he's doing sometimes with being a gross out or not. This one is one of my, my, I enjoy this one a lot more than some others. And the movies themselves aren't horrible. Okay. I like the original more than the, the remake. Um, I have a combination of books and films and the films that I was going to mention, there's a few that are only available on Netflix and I watch it. They've been putting out a lot of holiday films, but the interesting thing with some of their holiday films is they're based on YA novels. So you could still check out the novels from the library. So like Dash and Lily was really cute and it's um, a young adult title. And so is Let It Snow. And the films are adorable. Another one on Netflix was an animation called Claws. Have you seen that one? I have not seen that one. K-L-A-U-S. And it's kind of like starts with the postal service idea and a a Claws-like character. They kind of create the character of... I won't go into the details too well, but it was really well done. Um, My horror (laughs) that you could check out from the library is Krampus. I thought that was really fun. It's a horror comedy. With Adam Scott. I did check and it is in both of our library systems and it is fine holiday fun if you're looking for a comedy horror for the the holidays. And then the other thing you can't go wrong with is Harry Potter book or film, but there's always a holiday scene um, and they're fantastic with, it looks magical. Um, and then continuing with Professor Snape, a.k.a. Alan Rickman, would be Love Actually. Used to be my favorite, but now I don't know what my favorite is. Well, seeing how you brought up Alan Rickman, I'm not going to let it slide. That did not say that you should watch the greatest holiday Christmas movie ever with him. Yes, Head. yes. And I think this might be my preferred over uh, Love Actually now, which is Die Hard. Darn tootin'. Yeah. And then if you go on to Netflix, they have a new one called Love Hard. Have you heard about that one? I have not, but please. Okay. So, <laughs> so it's a romantic, you know, comedy slash disaster. And um, it's, it's basically this guy is posing as a different guy in his pictures. And so this girl across the country is like, oh, I'm just going to surprise you and show up for the holidays. And it's not who she thinks it is. But one of their like initial conversations was, what is your favorite Christmas movie? And she said, Die Hard. And he said, Love Actually. So it's like a merge mismatch of the two. Interesting. And it was adorable. Um, so that's one Netflix new one for this year. I know my son is very eagerly awaiting to see the, the Home Alone remake, Home Sweet Home Alone. Aw. And I'm like, Have- Okay. I know that they like recast the characters and not as good as Macaulay Culkin ever. I mean, it's really hard to, to get some, 
a kid character that as good as Macaulay Culkin was. The kid that was in it, uh, he was somebody that I had seen in something else and I don't remember what it is right now. Um, but there's a, a hope that it's good. Yeah. I mean, it, it's okay. not, it's, it doesn't follow the same story. I think it's kind of more family friendly, mm -hmm. less mousetrap, death, okay. death <laughs> escape room, death claws. Oh, my, my nephew loved it. The first one I was, he, he just got such a kick out of it. He would always like cheer for when they That's were what it is. beating the, kid, the bad guys. The kid is, uh, he was the, uh, in, uh, Jojo rabbit, not the, not the oh. main one, but the, uh, but the sidekick one. Okay. Did you ever read wicked? I need to read wicked. I've never read wicked. Well, he does, uh, Gregory Maguire does a couple other books, and one of them is holiday themed. It's called Hidden Sea. It's a tale of once and future Nutcracker. So it's the tale of the Nutcracker from the Nutcracker suite uh, and told from, you know, that twisted perspective, perspective that he gives. And he does another one that's wintry. Um, and now I can't remember the name. I'm going to pull it up really quick. But it's also based on is a Hans Christian Andersen. Well, while you're pulling that up, I'm going to tell you about Hidden Sea some more. It imagines a backstory of the Nutcracker, revealing how this entrancing creature came to be carved and how he guided an ailing girl named Clara through a dreamy paradise on Christmas Eve. It's the, the heart of it is the godfather Dulcimer, the ominous canny one-eyed toy maker made immortal and who presents the once in future Nutcracker to his goddaughter. It's a retelling of that. It's going to be slightly twisted. So the other one that he's done that's wintry is a wild winter swan. And that's the one that's um, based off of Hans Christian Andersen. But it's about a, a boy with a swan wing for her left arm. And it's a coming of age story in New York City in 1962. So I think I would have to read the fairy tales that it's based off of to kind of parallel. I'm not familiar with. I'm not familiar with the original. Is the the wild swans? Yep, you're 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 out on a on a goose chase right now. Yeah, but it's a wintry. The cover is beautiful. It's all wintry, and it looks like something you should read now. <laughs> okay. Um, one of my favorites uh, is Landline by Rainbow Rowell, and. At first, it didn't market itself as a holiday book, but it's just getting re-released um, with an added title note, A Christmas Love Story. This is centered around Georgie McCool, who was first proposed to 15 years ago by her boyfriend. And then it goes to the present where the romance between her and her husband isn't where it should be, possibly could be over. And in this story is set during the holidays and there's a magical telephone that ties the past and the present Georgie with phone calls to past boyfriend and now husband together. And you must read it to find out what happens. And it's just a delightful second chance romance with your, your first romance, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> romance redone. Yeah, it's very sweet. And so I would recommend that. And then Rainbow Rowell has also done a short story in 12 Holiday Stories, My True Love Gave to Me Anthology. And this anthology 
has something for everyone, however you celebrate the holidays. So there's Christmas, there's Hanukkah, winter solstice, New Year's, and it's all YA authors. So that's a recommendation. And I've never read Richard Paul Evans, but he writes about Christmas every year. There's like a new book. And this one's going to release November 23rd, and it's called The Christmas Promise. And I was actually surprised to see that he writes things other than Christmas. I just thought he was like the Christmas writer, you know, <laughs> Richard Paul Evans. It's going to be a Christmas book, but they're not always Christmas. And it's usually the Christmas, the Christian romance category. Uh, not quite my taste, but they're pretty popular. So for some reason, I don't know why, you know, our libraries list these as fiction, but this one is the autobiography of Santa Claus. It's a trilogy uh, by Jeff Gwynn. It's the uh, Santa Claus Chronicles. Okay. And it's, you know, it started off when he was trying to do a, a little known facts about Christmas for the Fort Worth Star Telegram, and mm -hmm. it turned into a three book series. Uh, it's combined solid historical fact with legend to deliver the definitive story of Santa Claus. That sounds fun. And so it goes, you got that one. I think the second one, it is told from Mrs. Claus's uh, perspective and, and such. So you could check that out. But the holiday that we know it didn't always used to be just, you know, gift giving and, mm -hmm. and fun. At one point, it was a drunken revelry. And that may have extended into a mutiny at West Point. Oh, tell me more. Uh, there is a book called The Eggnog Riot, The Christmas Mutiny at West Point mm -hmm. uh, by James Agnew. Uh, this one is going to be a uh, interlibrary loan request more than likely because it's going to be hard to get at, at most libraries, but I'm pretty sure we'll be able to get it through interlibrary loan. But it's the tale of how they banned eggnog once uh, holiday season at West Point and the cadets decided to make their own and when they got discovered gunshots ensued. Gunshots ensued? Yes, we are talking full-blown riot at West Point over eggnog. Wow. Yeah, blew your I mind. I want to know more I? of that story. Huh? It I want to know more of that story. It's, it's an old one. It takes place before the Civil War, so just keep that in mind. I wonder if it's um, like the eggnog portion of it. Okay, so they went to other people's houses they went and stole barrels of, of, of whiskey and bourbon or, or smuggled it into West Point and got discovered, got barrels taken. They rioted. Gotcha. Okay. So they really wanted their whiskey. They really they wanted their, their, their spirited eggnog. <laughs> That's intense. It is, isn't it? It is intense. And you wouldn't think about West Point being that way, but hey. No, I, I guess times have changed. Hashtag true facts. <laughs> I always, um, I, it reminded me of, and this is not what happened at all, but the here we come a wassailing, which wassailing is such a weird word. I mean, I know they did it so uh, free and, and merrily or, or something, right? Yeah. So I think it was, you know, England and, you know, maybe the UK, but you would go to your neighbor's house and they would give you a drink, like you would have like something where you could get, you know, a drink poured in and then you would just like, you know, hang out a bit and then you would go to the next neighbor and you would get whatever they had and put it in there. I may be very incorrect, but I think it was just like this huge mix of 
alcoholic beverages with your neighbors. See, I was thinking you were going to tell me the story of the, uh, the, the ghost horse. There's a ghost horse. Um, it's a Welsh uh, ca- a creature, the bone horse. And you basically, a peculiar craftsman, which a horse's skull is carried around by this group of people and you have to feed it uh, drinks and stuff. I, I encourage you all to research M-A-R-I-L-W-Y-D. Ghost horse. Spirit bone horse. It is, it's a wassailing folk custom found in South Wales. Uh, the tradition entails the use of an uh, eponymous hobby horse, which is made from a horse's skull mounted on a pole and carried by an individual hidden under a sackcloth. And you go, uh, the horse, uh, you carry that horse round and round and people feed you drinks. Well, I, yeah, I guess that is part of the wassling tradition. And then I guess they sometimes still celebrate wassailing which is the 12th night which is usually january 6th i guess yes and it's a pagan new year and then the wassail drinks is like basically this weird punch of cider and ale and mead with spices and crab apples and then uh, a wassail means to drink to good health Yes. This one would be the, the carolers would come, they demand entry through song, the <laughs> household would then refuse entry through song, and it would go back and forth until, you know, one of them gave up. And if the householder gave up, they had to feed and uh, feed them food and booze. Yeah, it sounds fun. We should, you know, start wassling over here with ghost bone horses. You get the horse skull. I'll be right there. <laughs> Hold on one moment. I've got one scary, one not scary. And Um, not scary first. A lot like Christmas. Uh, It's by Connie Willis. Uh, uh, Christmas comes once a year, yet the stories in this collection are fun to read anytime. Um, It's full of humor, absurdity, human foibles, tragedy, joy, and hope, Uh, Christmas traditions, holiday newsletters, secret Santas, office parties, pageants, dinners, rockettes. Ghosts of Christmas past, presents, and yet to come. So all these are in there. You should check out that group of of short stories by Connie Willis, A Lot Like Christmas. And then Blumhouse put out a collection of Christmas-themed horror stories called Hark the Herald Angels Scream. And it's 18 stories of Christmas horror from best-selling authors, uh, Scott Smith, C.N. McGuire, Josh Mallerman, um, Joe Lansdale is in there as well. They don't, they don't promote that one as much as I figured they would. Cause I think Joe's Lansdale is probably the biggest name in that, in that group. So the heavy ledgers, Marley drags by his chains. Uh, you can find out the want and ignorance that lies beneath the robes of the ghosts of Christmas yet to come. It is a fun Christmas horror experience. So is it play on, um, a Christmas story or. It's some of them are, I mean, it's, it's because this is 18 different stories and, you know, it's, it's a variety of stuff. Excellent. Yeah. A Christmas story was always very creepy to me by Charles Dickens. Yeah. It is, uh, and actually what I was reading was actually stuff that was scary in Charles Dickens thing. Cause I didn't write, read my own notes. So a Christmas story, a Christmas carol is filled with things that are unsettling Marley untying the bandages that hold his jaws together Wanton ignorance are the hideous children that are underneath the robe of the ghost of Christmas yet to come. 
Um, you got the ghost of Marley. It's all that kind of stuff. So this is like that. Christmas has always been horror. Read this book. <laughs> and I'm going to like tangent like big time um, <laughs> to Hanukkah. So a title that I'd like to read is The Matzah Ball, which um, by Jean Meltzer and is her debut novel that released this year. And the main character, Rachel Rubenstein Goldblatt, is a very nice Jewish girl with a secret. She writes Christmas books and her family doesn't know this yet. And the book publisher wants more diversity in the book. So she um, is going to write a Jewish book. And so she has to go to a matzah ball, um, a Jewish musical celebration on the last night of Hanukkah, where she runs into Jacob, who she hasn't seen since she was a kid. And I think as a kid, she wasn't that fond of Jacob, but things may change. And this looks like a really cute, sweet read. And then my last ones, continuing on the romance, um, just about every romance author has Christmas books. So if you're looking for something sweet to read, there are a ton that are set in the Christmas time frame. So you've got Debbie McComer, Nora Roberts, Diana Palmer, Vern Michaels, just to name a few. And Southern fiction author Christy Woodson Harvey just released Christmas and Peachtree Bluff which is part of the Peachtree Bluff series. Most of them are beach reads, so this is a little unusual for her. So if you're looking, if you like her writing and um, you're looking for something for the holiday times, you might want to check it out. Sounds like a plan. What have you been watching, reading, doing? The first thing I'm like, what I'm right, reading right now or listening to is because um, you've mentioned Clive Kessler before as just being fun and I've never read or listened to his work. So this one is Pirate and it's about the Fargo couple and it's nice. kind of a romance. Remy, like, Remy and Sam. Remy and Sam and it's so sweet and but they like are action treasure hunters and then they just like have weapons and then they can fight and it's it's a lot of fun there's you know people wanting pirate treasure and um they're trying to search for it i'm trying to remember if i've read that one or not um is that a recent one? Oh, I, probably not but i'm not entirely sure i just selected it on libby because i was like oh pirates <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a lot of those, they have like, you know, there's a formula to a lot of these things that people write and it's, you've got to sit there and go, okay, that plot sounds really familiar, but once you get into it, you can figure out whether you have read it or not. Yeah, this one, they're searching for a book and then a key, and the key is something that might not be an actual key. It might be something else, like an instrument to help find and locate this treasure. Yeah, that looks like that one's number eight. So yeah, I have not made it that far. Yeah, totally not going in order, which sometimes you're looking for that thing where do you want to go in order or not worry about it? This is a not worry about it. It dives you right in. Uh, speaking of not worrying about the order, I too <laughs> uh, chose a, a part three of a trilogy. Well, it's not really a trilogy, but it was, you know, the third in the series. And I said I was reading Christmassy books and I said they were horror based. And the one I was doing is The Stupidest Angel, A Heartwarming Tale of Christmas Terror by Christopher Moore. Oh, yeah. He does like kind of comedy horror, right? It is. Moore. Yeah, it's 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 in the line of Carl Hyacinth, Tim Dorsey kind of stuff. 
Always fun. This one is about a little boy who witnesses Santa get killed and an angel that is on earth to, to grant a Christmas miracle. And he is just dumb as all get out. So when the boy says, bring back Santa, he does as oh. a zombie. Of course. That's hilarious. Yes. Hilarity ensues. It was, it, it's, I don't, I, I don't know if this one's for everybody because I mean, the language is one thing there's, you know, romantic subplots of a sleazy nature, mm-hmm. but it's okay. not over the top. It's, it's just, it's potty humor at its best. We went and saw Clifford. How was that? I liked it. I was, really? I thought going in, I thought it was going to be awful, but I can yeah. tell you, I, I liked it. I thought it was going to be a challenge to be able to be able to pull off a giant CGI dog. We were discussing this and we thought that the CGI giant dog looked better than the CGI small dog. And I think it's because they had a sense of scale with Clifford when he's big, but not so much when he's small. But Aww. yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I, I, would, I would encourage everybody to take the kids out, go see it. As an adult, I was laughing. You know, it wasn't the best theater experience we had because we were sitting behind a, a family and the and the wife was, or the, the mother of the children was uh, down there vaping. So oh. it's like, what the heck? Come on. Yeah, be polite and it's a courteous. Yeah, don't be a jerk. When, don't you be know, a jerk. So lady, if you're listening, stop it. <laughs> no vaping in the theater. <laughs> I read With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo, and it's my one of my more recent reads, and it was really good. It's a young adult title, and I kept, like, cheering up a little bit and, like, in a good way. Like, it's a little, like, get your emotions and out of happiness and very connected to the main character, Amani, who is a teen Afro-Puerto Rican mom who lives in Philadelphia, and she enjoys cooking. So everything's about food. And in addition to the cooking component, there's like a little magical realism. So her like emotions while she's cooking kind of seep into her meals. And that's like one of my favorite things in a book is magical realism and food um, in writing. There's other books that I've read that have that component, like, like Water for Chocolate and The Particular Sadness of Lemon Cake by Amy Bender. And it's really super surreal. And it's got emotions tied into that. But anyways, Elizabeth Alcevedo, she narrates her audiobook and she won an Audi Award for her work. So that's pretty cool. And um, I think it would be a great holiday read since it's all about food. Um, And then to continue my young adult reads, I did finish Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Boley. This is the one I mentioned previously um, that's written by an Ojibwe author in the style of a a native Nancy Drew. So Donna's Fontaine, she's a, like this phenomenal teen heroine, passionate about her connections to the tribe, as well as a science nerd. And she ends up going undercover with the FBI to figure out murders and the drug rings. So it was a little long, but really well done. And it makes sense why it's been so popular. Uh, it's supposed to be adapted into film um, in the near future. So that would be really cool. And then going into film, I watched Dune on HBO. Have you seen that one yet? I have not. Okay. I thought they did a great job with the adaption. Um, It's like 
part of the first book. It's not the full first book. Um, I did fall asleep, but I think that's just because I was tired. <laughs> not the book, the, not the movie's fault. <laughs> but it's really beautifully done and the spacecrafts are really cool and the costume design. Yeah, I, I, I'm, that's one I want to watch, but I'm just so scared to watch it. I thought they, I think the only downside is that since it's half of the first book and Paul, he's like developing at this time because he's like the, you know, he's a teen and he doesn't really know who he's supposed to be yet. And this still doesn't develop him as a hero. So you kind of don't connect to any of the characters yet. So the next movie, you should really dive into Four years from now, you'll see how much he grows and he becomes that, that hero that we've been waiting for. I know I started to try to watch Red Notice the other night and I fell asleep in that one myself. And oh, I don't, no. You know, but from what I saw, it seems like a standard Ryan Reynolds, uh, Dwayne Johnson, Gail Godot style movie. They all seem to be playing the same characters they always play. <laughs> but they're merged together into one movie. <laughs> yes. Um, I've been reading actually... Uh, one of the, the kids, one of the bedroom, the, the bedtime tradition, not traditions, but uh, rituals, that's the word I'm mm-hmm. looking for, that we kind of do is uh, read right before they go to bed, read a chapter of a book. Mm-hmm. And we're doing the, uh, the zombie chasers right now. We did uh, zombie chasers is the first one by John Clofer. And it's uh, book two is what we're on right now, undead ahead. And it's, you know, cool. kids fighting through a zombie apocalypse. That's been fun. How is it um, in comparison to like The Last Kids on Earth? It's similar, but uh, if I remember correctly, Last Kids on Earth has more more of a graphic nature to it, doesn't it? It's like a graphic novel. Yeah, this, this is full on. This, this has some drawings in it, but it is mostly novel. A TV show that is now over for this year. So you got to wait till next year that, you know, I, I would be talking about on a daily basis if we had done more of these along the way. We are we just finished season three of what we do in the shadows, the TV oh. show, and it is stupid fun. I mean, it's right up there with Christopher Moore as far as what you know the, the kind of humor it is. It's potty humor. Mm-hmm. But oh my God, it's so good. I love it. And awesome. I cannot wait for the next season already. Oh, I liked the film. I haven't seen the TV show yet, but I the, really enjoyed the film. The film is dry compared to this. This is this is more raunchy. That's the word I was looking okay. for early. Not potty okay. humor, it's raunchy, but it, it's fun. I was going to say, I highly encourage it. And if it, to, to kind of put it into perspective of how good this show is, I like it. Debbie likes it. Corinne likes it. Oh, wow. That's, that's a lot of staff members who enjoy it. So, okay. So you can cool. see the diverse type of, of, of enjoyment that you can get from this, this stupid, stupid show. That means everyone needs to watch it. Yes. Now. That's all I got. I've, I've been, you know, <laughs> for some reason, I we had freedom right now from not having to read stuff. So I have, a been, break. I have been enjoying catching up on podcasts and other stuff. I've been listening to a lot of true crime podcasts, but I have had I have two more audiobooks that I can mention really quick. Which got continuing with the vampire theme. I listened to Certain Dark Things by Sylvia Marino Garcia, and it is amazing. Her um, her titles that are earlier than Mexican Gothic are getting re-released with new covers. So they're all coming out again. The new cover is so cool. It really brings out the neo-noir and it's set in Mexico City. There's different kinds of vampires. And so you get really like this, a little bit of history as well as 
uh, there's a lot of ties with our newer book, um, Velvet Was the Night, and this one, because there's always like these shady characters. There's a little bit of romance, but not heavy romance. Um, I really recommend that. And then I always seem to read, I think Halloween should like be year round. But um, another read that I did was Magic Lessons by Alice Hoffman. So it's book three in the, pa- the Practical Magic series, though chronologically it's book one. So it focuses on like pr- Practical Magic is the one that was turned into a film with Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. That's about the Owen sisters who are contemporary witches and they're cursed to finding true love. So this is like the original witch, Maria Owens, back in the 1600s and her daughter who um, end up in Salem, Massachusetts, of course, and is kind of like the root of the curse. And then I always enjoy Alice Hoffman. So I'm there's one more that was released this year and that's the book of magic. So I'll have to read that one next. You reminded me by saying Halloween that I watched Halloween kills. Okay. What is that one about? That's the most recent one that comes out after it's set after the last Halloween where Jamie Lee Curtis tries to kill Michael Myers. Ah, yes. It was it good? It, it was decent. It doesn't, it's, I mean, it's, it starts strong, doesn't end as strong. Cause you know, they're setting up other movies still, but mm-hmm. it was, it wasn't horrible. I mean, you'll go back and think about it later going, oh, okay, what, what? No, but overall it wasn't bad. Cool. Have you done, have you read Velvet as the Night yet? Yes. I really enjoyed that. It's set in the 1970s, um, in the dirty wars in Mexico. So it's a noir. And I think the way that she incorporates like, uh, kind of the political era of the time is interesting. Her her characters to kind of like match up. They're always like, there's always someone who's like the bad guy, but he's not really a bad guy. Like you kind of like are attached, like even in certain dark things, the the vampire that you're um, at all, you're, you're really attached to her, but she's not really like good. She's a vampire, but anyways, um, I enjoyed it. I need to read that one still. So with the library section, what would you like to... I really don't have a whole lot that will be on break and to come back soon. I mean, we started, you know, there's something that we started not too long ago. That's kind of cool. It's called blast. What's blast. Blast is a local music um, that we put out there. Local musicians gave us stuff. We put it out there to promote their band. So you can download and listen to local artists here in Alabama. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was kind of cool. So check out Blast. blast Blast.hmcpl.org. And you can just listen. Yep. So our listeners could even listen to it. Uh, Just hit play. Cool. Very nice. There's a couple things that they, I think we're going to have a holiday concert coming up here on uh, December 11th. But overall, yeah, it's been mostly still doing virtual stuff. But I'm sure that'll change here in the new year. I know yeah, we're, I... we're striving to get some computer classes going here. Some okay. weekend story times. We've been doing story times in person, actually. Yeah, we haven't started at the, the Bay County Public Library. We haven't resumed children's programming just yet. Um, but we're just starting a couple of adult programs, more like author events or... Uh, nothing huge. I'm going to do a pop-up dulcimer concert, so I won't advertise it, but whoever's here and that'll be in the children's section. So that should be fun. 
Sounds great. Yeah. So we're just kind of doing this one as a, as a, uh, as a, Hey, this is what's going on. We're still, we're still here. We're going to be doing stuff. As we said at the beginning, we're going to be taking a, a little bit of a, a break here for the next month and a half. Then in, and January 14th is when we're shooting to come back with an author interview you know, anything be in between there and there is a bonus episode, but don't expect anything because, you know, darn it, I'm tired. We're, we're just going to refresh for the holidays and come back with a lot of really great author interviews. We're really excited. We are. Our 2022 lineup is pretty sweet. It is nonstop fun. Nonstop fun. Oh, it's getting to be about that time, Sarah. So you, you've got a huge <laughs> uh, thing that you usually say at this time that I love hearing. Thanks for joining us at Unstacked and stay tuned for more episodes. Stay safe and read, my friend. It's good for you. Bye. Bye.